Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. This month, we are doing a theme of underrated live-action fairy tale princess films that were our favorites growing up, which holds a special place in our hearts, and some of them we've never even watched before. For the first episode, we will be talking about Once Upon a Mattress from 1964, starring Carol Burnett, Jane White, Joseph Bova, and Elliot Gould. And with me virtually is my good friend, Christina. Hello. Thank you for picking this film. Oh, no problem. I, I know we both really like Carol Burnett, and we're both into like older, more sitcom-y things, so I thought you would like it, because I yes. really like it. <laughs> and I'd never heard of it before. So if you're like me, and you've never heard or seen this film, it's based off of Hans Christian Andersen's story of The Princess and the Pea, and follows... Princess Winifred, played by Carol Burnett, who has fallen in love with Prince Dauntless, played by Joseph Bova, and must pass the test that his mother, Queen Agravain, has made in order for her to marry the prince. This TV movie was based off of the 1959 Broadway musical, which also, also starred Carol Burnett and many other of the cast members. So, Christina, what do we think of Once Upon a Mattress? I just think it's fun. I think it's silly. I think the music's good. I love Carol Burnett. She's like one of my favorites of all time. Um, Yeah, and I like it. (laughs) (laughs) It is just a silly, fun movie, and it's so nice to watch after exams and finishing up the semester and just chill and watch something that's not heavy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Hannah has a phrase that I really like that I've totally stolen where she'll say, it's, it's what it says on the tin. And that's what she said about this movie, is it's what it says <laughs> on the tin. It is a comedy musical starring Carol Burnett. It is golden age, and it delivers exactly what you expect yeah. of something with those descriptors. Yeah, I love that. It's what's on the tin. You get what you get. <laughs> no big surprises, but it doesn't, like, underwhelm either. It's just exactly what you expect. You are whelmed. Yeah. So I had never heard of this movie before you mentioned it, but um, it was also super hard to find. So if any of you out there wanting to watch this movie from the first two minutes of this podcast, because we've already intrigued you, um, it's challenging to find anywhere. But we did find it. Christina found it on YouTube in like three sections, three parts, um, where someone literally like taped it. It almost looked like a VHS tape that they just oh, filmed. Oh, it was definitely ripped off of their VHS. <laughs> it absolutely was. Actually, can I tell you the like really weird convoluted way Hannah and I watched it? Yes. Um, because there's like, okay, so for people trying to find it on YouTube, basically there is like a version of it that's uploaded in two parts by Sam G., and that version is like better quality, but it is missing a big chunk out of the middle. And then there's a <laughs> so three-part weird. version record uploaded by Beth C. And her version is like the full version, <laughs> but it's like not as good quality. And so what we did is we watched like part one of Sam G's, and then we watched the end of part one of Beth C's, <laughs> all of part two of Beth C's, and then we watched part two of Sam G's, and we got the full story. And two Thank out of the three you, parts Beth were C in good quality. And Sam G. <laughs> <laughs> did you see in the middle of Beth C's? There'd be like this like blue screen with the play button. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. I was like, this is just ripped off of a VHS. Yeah, so I think I started watching 
the Sams. And then I thought, hey, it's not 90 minutes. Because when I Googled this film, I thought, hey, it has to be 90 minutes. And it was way shorter than that. So then I just ended up watching the other one, Beth's, um, which was fine. I got used to the the crappy quality after a while. I watched it on my TV because I have the YouTube app on the TV. Oh, so nice. that was nice as well. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's still not like... Listen, Hannah and I watch a lot of, like, bootlegs of musicals, which are, like, way worse quality, so this wasn't too yeah. bad. It wasn't actually that bad, only, like, in a couple parts when, like, the blue screen came up. <laughs> which was really funny. <laughs> so do you have a first memory of watching this, or, like, who told you to watch this movie? Yeah, okay, so funny story as to how I, like, have seen it, so... My parents, as you know, are big into like buying DVDs of old sitcoms. Um, It's very WandaVision. We have like a bunch of sitcom DVDs back home and we watch them all the time. And so the weird thing, so um, my parents and I started getting DVDs of The Carol Burnett Show because I love Carol Burnett. But the weird thing about The Carol Burnett Show is they have never, as far as I can tell, or at least as far as I've found, you've never been able to buy, like, DVDs of, like, oh, season one of The Carol Burnett Show, like, season two. What they do is they release them as, like, Carol's favorites, like, ten episodes featuring, like, blank. Like, you know what I mean? They're, like, Uh. packaged weirdly. Um, So we always, like, keep our eyes out for Carol Burnett DVDs. And we found a DVD at Walmart one day, and it had two features on it. It had Once Upon a Mattress, so I have it on DVD at home, and it came with a, like, Carol Burnett Lucille Ball special that they did oh. at one point. And it's, like, both... It's, so it's Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball and Once Upon a Mattress on one DVD. Oh, my God. And that's what I have and- at home. <laughs> And I, I just, I don't want to interrupt you, but I know what you mean by it. Like, you're thinking you're buying the whole season. Yeah, and then you and get, then like, you 12 episodes. So, yeah, so this is what, like, my dad is a huge SNL fan. So he's always been trying to buy the DVDs. But then it's, like, Mike Myers' favorites or, like, Bill Murray's favorite best episodes. And it's like, ugh. And then the one you always want to see, like, the skit you always like is never on it's it. It's never on the DVDs. <laughs> Or it's, like, the crappiest skit version. Like, you want to see, like, six of the same comedy sketches of different, like, days or whatever, weeks that it was filmed. And it's always, like, just the shortest one, and the rest are, like, the crappiest ones. Yep. (laughs) So I can relate. I don't understand, and I don't know if this is the case with The Carol Burnett Show, why... At least with SNL, you can't buy the seasons, like, on iTunes or anything. Don't understand. Yeah, I have no idea. I I don't get it. It makes no sense. Well, especially so because, how- like, if it's a variety... Sorry, this is a tangent, no. but if it's a variety show thing, like, you can buy full seasons of The Muppet Show, and that was a variety show. Like, you'd think that with Carol yeah. Burnett and SNL, you'd be able to get full seasons, but I guess not. I mean... We would be giving them our money. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't, like, do it, like, film it off of YouTube like Beth or Sam. I would actually just enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so how old were you when you first watched this? Uh, I think I was, like, 12. I wasn't super young because we didn't start watching The Carol Burnett Show when I was super, super young. 
So I want to say I was like 12 or 13 around there. Um, yeah. But I remember and really had, liking it. And had your parents watched it like as a kid? No, my parents had never heard of it. And the only reason why I wanted my parents to buy the DVD was so like we were in Walmart and we were looking at the Carol Burnett DVDs and I found this one and I don't know how or why, um, but the song Shy, the one that's like Carol Burnett's first like big numbers as Princess Winifred, um, that song is like super popular. Like I had heard that song before um, and I know when I was watching it with Hannah, like she used to do uh, Kiwanis singing festivals and kids would perform Shy like all the time. Like it's a big one at festivals. So I knew that song and I knew that it was from this musical. And so when I saw the DVD, I was like, oh, we have to get this DVD. That's where the song Shy comes from. And I've never seen the oh, rest of the musical. And my parents were like, okay, this is a $10 DVD at Walmart, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard this song before too. Like if it's instrumental or something, I've heard it. Yeah, like it's it's one of those ones where I have no idea like when or how or where I would have heard it before watching it but I know that I knew that song already like it's maybe just they, relevant maybe they played it on the Carol Burnett show or something once oh she probably <laughs> did do it on the Carol Burnett show before honestly yeah <laughs> so um when it like first started and I realized that it was the whole princess and the pea thing when Carol first comes in princess Winifred it reminded me right away by the way she's dressed in rags and like all dirty it just reminded me of the Robert Munch story, Paperback Princess. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I kind of got that vibe. And like, then there was the whole Shy song, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I loved how when she would sing it so loud, the people would kind of lean back yeah. every time. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> it's very well choreographed. Yeah. No, I actually, it's funny that you thought of the Paperback Princess because what I, my joke was um because there's like the whole musical number later where she talks about being like the princess of the swamp and I was like once upon a mattress walked so Shrek could run oh my god <laughs> wow that that topped the Ryan Gosling Julie Andrews one <laughs> <laughs> yeah she kind of reminded me of like Shrek or Fiona yeah, right? Like, it has, like, <laughs> especially with the, like, very, like, campy, comedic take on fairy tales, like, it had sort of Shrek vibes in a weird way. It yes, definitely had Shrek the that. musical vibes. I have never seen that, but I love any time there's a movie or uh, I really like this book called, like, the Wide Awake Princess series where they yeah. they spoof off of the fairy tales and, like, they incorporate fairy tales and then they make it different. And I love that, especially at the ending of this movie. It's so funny. It's, it's so, so unconventional good. and great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what did you think about the other cast members? They were good. I, um... It's funny, I didn't recognize anybody, like, right off the bat. Um, actually, okay, you might know this because you watch Friends. So I was watching it with yes. Hannah. Yes, I was watching it with <laughs> Hannah, and she was like, Ellie oh, my God. Gold. Yeah, she was like, who plays the jester? Like, why does that guy look so familiar? Who's the yeah. jester? And then we looked it up, and it was the dad. It's Ross's yeah, dad? The, yeah, Ross and Monica's dad. <laughs> 
It was really funny. I know, funny. I was watching it and I was like, who is this just now? This younger version. I know him as an older person. And I was like, who the heck is this? But when I looked up IMDb, I don't know who Elliot Gould is. And then I just looked up like the cast and I just saw Friends and I was like, oh, it's he was also in, I've never watched these movies, the Ocean films, like Ocean's Eleven, oh. 12, 13, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> I don't know how many there are, but he was also like the... I don't know, the criminal in that. But huh. everyone knows him from our generation as Ross and Monica's dad. <laughs> and yeah, you know him from funny. this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it said he was also in... I don't know if he... I think he was in the MASH movie. I don't think he was in the MASH TV show. Um, or maybe I'm misremembering. But he was in some something of MASH, which I have seen, so... Okay. Well, he must have been pretty young in this since this is 1964. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know who the prince was, Joseph Bova. No, I didn't know him either. I thought, I okay, I will say, I thought everybody was really well cast. The prince was really funny to me because he had such a, like, baby speaking voice, which obviously is, like, part of the character. And so he'd be like, oh, gee, mama, can I marry her? And he had this, like, really baby speaking voice. And then he'd sing, and he'd be like, the springtime. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He was also, like, way shorter than Carol Burnett, too. so short. Yeah, I know, his singing was, like, insane. Yeah. I'm surprised nobody dubbed his voice, unless his singing voice... Yeah, but, okay, they were all apparently in the original Broadway um, musical right in 1959 so then I thought well maybe his voice was dubbed on the show but why would they do that if he was on the Broadway musical yeah no it must have just like I think he has a really good voice don't get me wrong it just felt so (laughs) not character appropriate in comparison to his speaking voice yeah (laughs) it was really weird I know, I thought the jester was, like, the most fun, especially at the end. Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, also, this is six, 1964, and um, the Carol Burnett show only took off in 1967, so this was also really before uh, Carol Burnett's career was, like, really taking off. Yeah, I think I've read uh, one or two, maybe only one. I've read at least one of Carol Burnett's biographies, um, that was how I first heard about Once Upon a Mattress. I was reading her biography. Oh. And then when I saw the DVD, I was like, this is the musical she talks about in her biography. That's why I knew what it was. And I'd heard the song before. <laughs> um, anyways, I was reading one of her biographies. And I do believe that she talks about how, like, this was what really launched her as being, like, somebody recognizable on TV. Because before that, she mostly just did stuff on the stage. And then she did, like, Once Upon a Mattress for TV, and TV people were yeah. like, whoa, she's funny. <laughs> yeah, and she was, like, in a Twilight Zone episode, because that was, like, the hip show to guest star on. Oh, yeah. And then that's it. <laughs> if there's any Twilight Zone fans, I don't mind it. It's sometimes fun. Anyway. <laughs> too spooky. Um, what was it? <laughs> too spooky? <laughs> It's like 60 years old. (laughs) Apparently there's like a new Twilight Zone now. I'm not watching that. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Or like the Black Mirror stuff. (sighs) I saw one episode of Black Mirror and it was good, but it was terrifying. I I heard something about a pig and I was like, nope. No, thanks. (laughs) Um, So what was your favorite songs in this movie? 
Oh, man. I mean, I love Shy. Like, that one's iconic for a reason. Um, and I really like, I, I think one of the, like, funniest moments in the show is the song between uh, the prince and his dad, where they're having a man-to-man <laughs> talk, and it's uh, boy flower, girl flower, bee, bird. Oh, I get it. Like, <laughs> I think that bit's so, so funny, funny. So innocent. And he's, like... <laughs> so whipped by his mother like he's a total mama's boy I think he had the most growth by the end because when he says shut up to his mother and she actually can't talk and then the father can finally speak it's so amazing the hawk. <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing I love it is that mother the queen is awful the queens are always the worst oh she's so bad I will say I do want to watch um, the 2005 version, only to see Carol Burnett as the queen. Yeah, I know. And I was looking up the cast, um, and it was actually like a wonderful world of Disney TV movie when they still had those Sunday nights. Good um, times. And it, yeah, what happened to those days? Um, Disney Plus came around. Uh, Carol Burnett was the queen by then. Tracy Ullman was actually the princess. Yeah. And Zoe Deschanel was in it too, and I was like, "Well, yeah. who is who will she play?" But I guess she's that other girl. Yes. Okay. I looked this up yesterday because um, Zoe Deschanel is Lady Larkin, and Matthew Morrison is the minstrel. <laughs> oh my god! And also Bernadette Peters is in it, so I don't know who she'd play. Ooh, I did not see that. She must have like a smaller role. Yeah, I don't know, because she's, like, all over the cover, but then she's oh. at the, the end of the mm. cast. I was like, that's weird. Interesting. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see this on, like, this movie now that I've seen this one, but also a play. I would love to see the play of this. Oh, I'd love I think to it'd see be it really live. Fun. It'd be so yeah. funny. Um, I was thinking about how, like, you know my feelings towards how Disney is just making remakes of live act of films mm-hmm. from the past and then doing a live action of them, which is just ah so criminal to me. And I'm thinking, you know, there's so many fairy tales. Like this is a Hans Christian Andersen. There's so many Grimm's fairy tales that they could do and make into a new movie that they've yeah. never done before. Like, has no one ever heard of Snow White and Rose Red or like any of these other like Princess and the Pea has never been done in a Disney movie before. How hard is it to make like an animated film? Yeah, well, I was thinking about that because it's like um, it took them until like the 2010s to get around to like the Princess and the Frog and Rapunzel. Like, come on, there's still so much source material out there. I mean, there was no princess movies from 1959, which was Sleeping Beauty, until 1989, which is with The Little Mermaid. Then, all of a sudden, in like three years, they had The Little Mermaid, um, Aladdin, and Beauty and the Beast. And then there was nothing again for our age. It was just like Mulan and Pocahontas. And then there was nothing until 2010. Wow. Yeah, that's so weird. I don't know why they don't want to make, like... Because Rapunzel was one of my favorite princesses, but make ones that are not as popular of like or a big story and then embellish it a little bit, you know? Yeah, I will say, well, yeah, I guess because like Elsa is like so loosely based on Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen. 
That's like true. it doesn't it like kind of counts but not really like they didn't use any of the story they just used the character yeah <laughs> <laughs> so they could do one now of the snow queen i mean it wouldn't work now but but they well, could hey, do other ones <laughs> frozen three elsa has a daughter who also has snow powers and her story follows the fairy tale <laughs> oh my god wait is that actually real oh no that's just a that's that's my pitch oh. disney if you're oh, listening oh, your pitch. Okay. i know you want to make frozen three i know you want to milk that cash they're gonna cow just do, they're just gonna do sequels of frozen they won't be doing any more princess films <laughs> but yeah no you're frozen right like eight when my daughter is born oh my god but yeah no like there's so many fairy tales that they have like disney still hasn't touched like come on that's yeah, your, that's your bread so and butter rich. How, how, like, what, you can't get the rights for it now? <laughs> Come well, on. And also, they, like, um, I don't know how familiar you are with, um, like, Rick Riordan and his books. Um, but basically, one of the cool things that Rick Riordan's been doing recently is he launched this series called Rick Riordan Presents, where he gets, he, like, publishes books by authors from, like, all over the world and of various different cultures, and they, like, write these books about their culture's mythology and i'm just oh. saying like if disney's tired of dipping into that hans christian anderson well like i don't know explore somewhere other from your other than europe and explore all their fairy yeah. tales like moana and ryan the last dragon were so good i don't like, know keep keep dipping into that <laughs> like i honestly don't know what they're gonna do when they get to the bottom of the barrel of just remaking decent films that Walt Disney was a part of. I honestly don't know. Now they're filming Peter Pan here in Vancouver. Don't we have enough Ooh. Peter Pan live actions? Like There's I just so many Peter Pan live actions. I don't actions. know. Why do we need and also, one also like we peaked we peaked with Hook. It can't get better than Hook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and there was this other one that I liked. I don't know what it was now, but it's like I, we, it just has to be Disney live action. It's going to be exactly the same as the animated film. And in the end, I'm just going to show the animated films to my children. Like, mm -hmm. I'm never going to show them the live action versions. <laughs> Disney's already scraping the bottom of the barrel. They're making a Cruella movie. <laughs> oh, God. And they've already made, like, two Cruella live action. <laughs> yeah. One and two. <laughs> Which were both bad. Sorry, I've, Tenny Cruella I've stands. I've never watched it, so... Thank goodness. People like Lynn Close, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what else would you like to... I don't really know what else to anyway. say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. This is like a movie that lends itself to tangents, I feel. Yes. Because <laughs> it's like, it's a movie that's so fun. There's nothing wrong with it, so you can't really say too much about the movie itself. Well, and it's like, it's... I, okay, I feel like one of the funny things about... This movie and also just, like, things from the, like, 60s, 70s in general is I think the pacing is so, like, hilariously done. Like, not necessarily bad. I just think the pacing is silly in the sense that, like, the jester gets an entire, like, four-minute-plus musical number about <laughs> his dad's very soft shoes and we, like, spend a really long time on these, like, big dance numbers. And then at the end, it's like, the mouse has devoured the hawk. The queen can't speak anymore. Now the king can speak. And the movie's over. And it's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. I know. It's so weird. <laughs> it's just also, first of all, when you're watching it, what I do like about it, since I haven't been to a theater 
uh, performance live theater in so long is that it is like you're watching a play, which is so nice because the camera is pretty steady. It's not moving. I bet this was filmed in front of a studio audience. And yeah, it just kind of is nice to have that again. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I think that like, it's funny because when we were act- when we were talking about like things that Disney could do, like I would love to see Disney do an animated Princess and the Pea story. I would hate to yes. see an animated like Once Upon a Mattress because I think that like part of what makes it so funny live action is how physical the comedy is, like especially with yeah. like Princess Winifred on top of all those mattresses. Like it's classic physical comedy. You can't replicate that outside no. of live action. And Carol Burnett's, like, facial expressions are so priceless. I don't know about Tracy Ullman's, but hers are so priceless that an animated character is too stiff. They can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Like It it's is just, like a comedy sketch. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels very much like, um, like a sketch that would be on the Carol Burnett show. <laughs> Especially when she puts grapes in her dress. Yeah. <laughs> And I like when she says the line, like they're talking about a, a story. Are they talking about Cinderella? I don't know. She's talking about a princess and how the princess had a happily ever after and great connections. And she's like, that girl had outside help. I haven't got a fairy godmother. And I'm like, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have good connections. I can't marry a prince. Not that I'd want to. <laughs> I would no, not I want to it. be with a prince. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be able to handle it. <laughs> I agree with Meghan Markle. <laughs> I was going to say, you listened to the Meghan Markle interview. You're not about that life. Yeah, if, if there's any supporters here, if there's anyone that's listening to this that isn't a supporter of Meghan Markle, I'm sorry, but, like, I guess you can still listen to my podcast. You're wrong. <laughs> You're incorrect. Meghan Markle is the only royal that matters, and she's not a royal. <laughs> I know, because she's the most poised and articulate. Well, and it's like, honestly, I th- I think that, like, the whole... Obviously, like, it turns out that the... Well, it's very obvious from the start that, you know, Dauntless's mom is, like, making these impossible princess tests in order to prevent her son from ever marrying. Yes. But at the same time, I think that you could view it as, like... You know, the whole musical is clearly a a parody of the traditional fairy tale. And it's certainly meant to poke fun at the idea of like, oh, like the perfect princess, like the fairest maiden in all the land, like, you know, a perfect princess does this or that or whatever. You know, what's a perfect princess or prince in the royal family? One that's related to you. (laughs) 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 That's how it works. Yeah. If you're not related to the prince you're going to marry, they don't want you in the family. <laughs> you have Pretty to have much. your great 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 grandmother be Queen Victoria and then you're in. <laughs> hey everybody, be respectful. Uh, prince keep in Philip mind Queen Elizabeth cousins. I was going to say keep in mind Queen Elizabeth didn't just lose a husband that day. She also lost a cousin. <laughs> they both had Queen Victoria as their great great grandmothers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no wonder, no wonder. I bet they put a pee in, under Megan's mattress. <laughs> and they were like, Harry, she slept through the night, even with this <laughs> tiny pee under her bed. 
<laughs> think you should dump her. Yeah, Kate obviously passed the test, like, perfectly. Five stars. Oh, yeah. She felt the pee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I wonder how many people were, like, losing as <laughs> this is being <laughs> Hey, tangents are fun. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have to say about this movie? Well, I want to talk I about the s- ending. <laughs> Oh, yes. Okay. I will say I, um, yeah, the physical comedy like stands out to me. Um, and I think that just like, you know, obviously like at the end of the day, you know, Carol Burnett ends up with the prince. Um, and it was also like made in the sixties. It's not necessarily like the most feminist piece of theater to ever exist, but you know, I think there's something to be said for like challenging this notion of, you know, the perfect princess and like yeah you know Winifred is like crass and loud and you know stupid sometimes and smart other times and like she's she's the complete opposite of your sort of traditional like Disney princess TM and yet she's you know she's the hero and you love her and I don't know. Yeah. I think she's I think she's a good role model. She's not the smartest, you know, <laughs> princess in the world, but you know, she lo- she loves herself and that's uh, that's all that matters. <laughs> well, I think this is why I liked it cuz this movie feels really refreshing and modern even though it was made like whatever 56 years ago. Um so it what I like about it is that she isn't a perfect raving beauty. And she's unconventional, and she is like a tomboy, and that's just so great that she's like that, and not like a regular princess that we see in pretty much every other film. Yeah, and especially even like the the subversion of the idea of you know the women falling all over themselves for the prince. Like, forgive my modern vernacular, Prince Donless is a simp. Like he. <laughs> <laughs> he is so just like doughy-eyed over Winifred immediately and he yep. like will follow her to the ends of the earth and he's just so like dopey and dreamy-eyed around her like he's very much you know it's almost like the roles are reversed and that he's like falling all over her and all dreamy eyes around her and she's like hey I like you you're nice <laughs> Yeah, he's the one starstruck and very weak, like a woman is usually portrayed, whereas she's kind of like the one calling the shots. She's the one who is able to lift the big weight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is really interesting. I wish they would make more movies like this, and that's why maybe you'll see, if you listen to future episodes of other movies we do, where the princess is usually strong and not weak. And I always went to those movies more than I did to the, you know, the other... Like, I love the original Disney films, don't get me wrong. I just never really connected with Snow White. (laughs) God, no. Oh, my God. One of the first things we bonded over as kids was that neither of us liked Snow White. (laughs) I just, like, she leaves the dwarves and just says, goodbye, goodbye. She leaves her friends after doing nothing all movie except sleeping and waiting to be kissed. uh, I know. And in Sleeping Beauty, she says two lines, basically the whole movie. (laughs) Yep. And Cinderella was probably my favorite growing up before watching The Little Mermaid. But anyway, it's just nice that it just said that there hasn't really been anything like this since Frozen. Yeah. Well, and like it's it's interesting, too, because um, like. I think with, okay, I, I'm, I'm like thinking, I'm trying to formulate this as I speak, 
But I think that it's interesting how there seems to be this idea in like modern woke Disney movies. Have you ever watched any YouTube videos by Lindsay Ellis? I don't know. Let me she look does up. these like, she does these really interesting like YouTube like half hour like YouTube videos where she like tackles different like pop culture topics. And oh. one of them is she has this like whole video on woke Disney, which is basically like criticizing Disney for patting itself on the back, trying to be woke while actually like not really being any better than they've ever been. Um, and it's really interesting and I highly recommend people watch it. But so I think like in that vein, it's interesting if you think of like, you know, the Disney movies with like strong female leads, TM, that have come out in the last like 10 years and there always seems to be this distinction of like, see, we're creating a strong female character now. She's not a princess. She's a warrior. Or like even Tiana like was not a princess. Like she was a average everyday mm-hmm. like baker. And, you know, like uh, Moana wasn't the princess. She was the daughter of the chief, as she says herself. And like Raya isn't a princess. She's also a daughter of a chief. Like, mm-hmm. um you know, there's, like, outside of Elsa and Anna, there seems to be this distinction of, see, we've created strong, powerful women now. They aren't princesses. And it's like, well, why can't somebody be a princess and a strong, powerful woman? Yeah. Like, she doesn't have to be, like, a, you know, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman superhero in order to be strong. Like, Cinderella could be strong if you gave her the opportunity to be And, like, you know, there's other Cinderella adaptations, like we've talked about Ever After, where, like, Cinderella can be strong, you just have to let her be. Yeah, exactly. And and I feel that what the society and and what Disney is trying to do is they want this next generation of children watching these movies, and then their moms are boycotting, you know, Jasmine and Ariel and Belle. And I just don't get it because I always considered those three princesses that were in my generation to be super strong I mean Jasmine was super strong um you know I guess Ariel was the weaker of all three I thought always thought Belle was strong um and 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 Rapunzel is a princess and she stands up to Mother Gothel and she basically saves the prince and there's all these really great things that I love Tangled it's just such a fun movie to talk about Tangled so good um yeah, it's so good. And and I don't get exactly like what you're saying is why we have to like give and take kind of. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I I don't get me wrong. I love Moana. Please don't make any I, more Cinderella adaptions. God, <laughs> no. please. We've had enough. But it's like, you know, I love uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. I thought that movie was exceptional. And I love Moana. It's like one of my favorite Disney movies ever. But... I think it is, like, silly to draw this line in the sand of, like, this is where the princesses are and this is where the strong, powerful women are. Like, it can be a Venn diagram. They can overlap. (laughs) Yeah. And also, don't boycott the great movies that you grew up with because they are still excellent films. You just don't have to watch it with your daughter and say that this is what you have to wait for because... I mean, I watched it as a kid, and I didn't think of that when I watched The Little Mermaid. I always thought she was kind of saving Eric in many ways. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, like, Ariel, yeah, she makes some questionable choices, to be sure, but she does save Eric in the end, so, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and I even think, like, I don't know, with Once Upon a Mattress, like, there's definitely some jokes that are very 60s and, like, don't totally hold up. 
But I think honestly, overall, like it holds up pretty well. There's nothing in the show that's like, that feels like really rooted in like 60s values. Like it feels relatively timeless. Yeah, I totally agree. Just by the dialogue and Carol Burnett is really timeless. Oh yeah, she's the best. <laughs> um, I have, like there isn't many, but I have a couple of fun facts here. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I already said how most of the cast members were in this movie, TV movie. Um, Carol Burnett was actually nominated in 1964 a Tony Award um, for her role in the Broadway production 1959. Um, it was Best Actress in a Musical. She did not win. No. Why it not? It went to Mary Martin for The Sound of Music. Oh, well, okay. I mean, I guess <laughs> if you're going up against The Sound of Music, that's fine. <laughs> I just think it's so funny to imagine, like, I don't know if the Tony Awards were like on TV then, or if it was on the radio, but just imagining Carol Burnett sitting there and then the person that plays Maria Von Trapp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so is that my only fact? No, there must be more. I'm literally looking up the facts and there's like five facts. And you know what one of the facts are? What? Carol Burnett was Miss Hannigan in Annie. Whoa, what? <laughs> You're joking. I know, right? Why I would that even no be idea. a fact in this? <laughs> I, I never knew. <laughs> the second fact is it is based off oh, the princess and the pea, which I think we've established. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, that's all my facts. <laughs> nice. Okay, I, I mean, I have some like... I have some fun facts for you. Do you want me to hit you with some facts? Yes, please. So basically, because Hannah and I were talking about this when we were watching it yesterday, we were trying to figure out the timeline. So the musical came first. The musical was 1959. And then the version we watched came in 1964. I don't know if you saw any clips of this when you were like poking around on YouTube or if you saw anything about this, but Once Upon a Mattress on TV was so popular that they did it live for TV again in 1972 in color with all the same cast, except they recast Prince Dauntless. He was the only cast member that was different. So the guy from Friends is in it again? I do believe the guy from Friends is in it. I know like (laughs) Carol Burnett and the King and the Queen are all the same and uh, the Minstrel and Lady Larkin. Um, So Carol Burnett was still young enough to be the princess? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it was like less than 10 years later, and she's oh, that's sprightly. <laughs> um, yeah, have you so seen was, that one? I have, and do you know what? I honestly, it's been so long since I've done, I've, I've seen the DVD, and because like almost all of the cast is the same, I'd assume that the version I'd seen on DVD, like the version I had on DVD was the 1964 version, but then I looked up, like when I was poking around on YouTube, I saw the version that was in color from 1972, and I was like, oh, damn, actually, that prince looks really familiar. So it might have been the 1972 version I saw. They're exactly the same, except one oh. is in color and has a different prince and the other isn't. So, like, oh, it's still the so same funny. show. <laughs> I wonder if Carol Burnett added, like, any twists to it or did something differently. Yeah, I honestly, I, I don't remember. I've, and, like, the 1972 one... 
you can't find like any recordings in the way that you can find the 1964 one on YouTube. There's like a bunch of seven minute clips, but I don't think they add up enough to make the whole show. Like I think there's just clips of different musical numbers on YouTube. Um, but I mean, I'm if you're interested bad. in seeing it in color, that also exists. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was the musical TV version in 1964, TV version again in 1972 because it was that popular. Um, and then here's the one, uh, here's the real kicker. In 1996, it was, there was a Broadway revival. Guess who played Princess Winifred on Broadway in 1996? Oh, 1996? Is it like an actress that is famous now? It is an actress who is famous now, not for musicals at all. Oh, hmm. I'm trying to think who it would be. 1996. Ah, so she'd be around, like, born, like, the late 70s? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Is it someone English? No. I, uh, oh. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh, this is so hard. Um, I'm, I just have, for some reason, Amanda Seyfried in my head. <laughs> I don't know why, because she, she would have been would, too young. She would be a great Princess Winifred, though. I think she could pull it off. Um. Gosh, you'll have to tell me. I don't know. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, no. You know how I feel about her from Annie. <laughs> I... Demonic <Isn't> Annie. That... <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. That was um, that was Cameron Diaz who was the terrible Miss Hannigan. No, no, no. Or, oh, no, no. You're talking, you're talking about... talking about her being oh. Annie. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. Sarah Jessica Annie. Parker <laughs> was Princess Winifred in 1996. Really? And that sounds... Terrible. No offense to Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh. Sounds like it was bad. But she doesn't seem comedic to me. I mean, to be fair, I have never watched Sex in the City, but I don't think it's like a comedic role. Well, I just feel like, and obviously no offense to Carol Burnett, because I love her and I adore her, but I feel like part of the reason why Carol Burnett was cast in this show like, was the perfect Princess Winifred is that, like, she doesn't look like the conventional princess. Like, the whole point is that she, you know, doesn't have that stereotypical, like, blonde hair, blue eyes, like, fair princess look. Whereas, like, I don't know, I feel like Sarah Jessica Parker looks too normie. I know, she, you're, you're, I think, I cut out a bit there, but I'm assuming you're saying she looks too much like a, like a skinny, perfect princess. Yes, yes, yeah. sorry, I moved my, my phone, so that must be why it cut out. But yeah, I think, like, Sarah Jessica Parker looks way too normy, and Carol Burnett, yeah. like, she doesn't look like the conventional princess. That's kind of the whole point. You need somebody that kind of looks like a dork, even though I don't like that word, but it's the only one that's coming to my mind right now, that is, like, pretty, but isn't, like, raving beauty, but also yeah. is, like, can be silly. I don't really know... I was thinking, you know who would be good, and I don't know if you know her, but Deborah Messing. Ooh, I don't know if I know who that oh, is. Oh, she was like in, um, I've never watched it, but she was like in Will and Grace, the show. Um, oh! And like, she kind of has like really red hair. Yeah. I think she would be perfect. Yeah, I can picture her. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Yeah. Um, there's all this, this is also yeah, a tangent know. here, but there's all this controversy because she literally looks like Lucille Ball and they're making a Lucille Ball movie right now and they didn't offer it to her. They offered it to Nicole Kidman who looks nothing like Lucille Ball and is way too thin. And I, and I know how you feel about Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I'm just, I don't warm up to her. 
That's valid. <laughs> that is valid. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I can't, Sarah just, since seeing, do not look up for anyone that's curious now, the 1979 Broadway play of Annie, cause it will scar you for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, it's just like, apparently Sarah Jessica Parker was doing plenty of Broadway in her younger years, but uh, like, she's not famous for being on Broadway at all. No. She's famous for her movie and tv stuff and you know i kind of think there might be a reason for yeah. that like and don't get me wrong the only time i've ever heard her sing was on glee and she sang in like one song yeah. kind of and she wasn't that good don't get me wrong here i know it's something else she sings in i love hocus pocus she's really good in that she is kind of funny and she does sing okay but that's like hocus pocus is her like level there <laughs> Is she? I've never seen Hocus Pocus. Is she one of the witches? Yes, it's so good. It's with Bette Midler. Yes. Okay, I know Bette Midler's in it because I love. It's, Bette it's Midler. really funny. I did not know Sarah Jessica Parker was in it. It's on Disney Plus for anyone interested. I watched it on Halloween this year because it was the same year that we had a like blue moon or something, and we only get that like every fifty years, and the whole movie revolves Ooh. around a blue moon. So that's why I watched it. Damn, I should have watched Hocus Pocus. You'll have to wait next 50 years. (laughs) Damn. We'll be 70. I'm sure I'll I'll love it. I'll come over and we can watch Hocus Pocus. Yeah. (laughs) Remind me. Make a mental note of that. I'll write it now. (laughs) Down. (laughs) Anyway, I think we should talk about the ending. Yeah, Um, it happens. Not Hocus Pocus. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to go start? <laughs> I, yeah, I just, like I said earlier, I think the pacing is really funny because I love that they have multiple, very long, drawn out, big dance sequences, which don't get me wrong, I love. I think the choreography in the show is amazing and I love the dance sequences. But we spend all this time on these dance sequences and then the end is like, boom, Winifred passes the test. Boom, like the queen can't talk anymore. Boom, yeah. the king can talk. And now Carol, like, Winifred's asleep and the show is over. Like, it Wraps just up clicks. so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and but she's yeah, counting love, so many uh, sheep and stuff. <laughs> 30,000. <laughs> I love, I, I, I think the, the ending is so funny. The part where, cause you know, Winifred comes out after not being able to sleep and she's, what do you stuff that mattress with jousting equipment? And then at the end, you see the jester taking the jousting equipment out of the mattress. <laughs> I think that's so funny. It's the best scene. And then he kind of like gives a wink and then it's over because it's just so ironic because she's then didn't pass the test. So she's not actually a princess. Well, okay, but the thing is, that whole scene, like, it's so fast, but it's so well done, because you have, the the jester takes out the jousting equipment, and he winks at the camera, and then he leaves, and then um, Winifred goes up to sleep in her bed, and she still finds it uncomfortable, it's like, this is all done wordlessly, and she, like, she does this like motion where you can tell she's still uncomfortable and she points at the mattress and the prince takes the little pee out and then she's able to fall asleep. And so like it, the joke comes full circle where you're true. like, oh, she actually wouldn't have been able to feel the pee even if like the jester had helped her out. And it's just, it's funny. It's, it's so clever. funny, especially that scene when the jester is, or someone, is he trying to tell somebody or somebody's trying to tell the jester what's going on? That's it. And, like, they're doing that that thing where, like, 
they don't want to say the words and they're like doing charades. It's, I love movies that do that. If we talk about Enchanted, another favorite one, they, the little chipmunk does that to James Marsden, which is hilarious. Yeah. I love when movies do that. I don't know why. I know. I think the, the charades bit with the dad was very Oh, yeah, funny. it's with the dad. That's right. And like, yeah, no, I, 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 think, I think it's all done really well. And like, you know, I... I am obviously not deaf. I cannot speak to whether that was like an offensive portrayal of a deaf person or not. I was operating under the assumption that like it was fine because he's not actually deaf, like it was just a spell. Um, so they're not actually making fun of somebody with a disability. They're making fun of like, it's a joke because he's cursed and then he's not cursed. So I think that that's like probably fine. But it's okay, I- we did Mr. Holland's opus. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um but like i don't you know obviously i can't speak we already for covered it, but like, it i don't know <laughs> i i think that uh yeah i really do think that like honestly there's from my from my limited world view i think that the comedy i think that the comedy especially holds up because none of the humor is based in anything being like I don't know, really outdated or would be seen as really offensive humor now. Like, it's all just genuinely, like, family-friendly funny. Mm, Yeah, I think that's the same. I mean, I'm not... I haven't seen too many episodes of her show, but I think that's why people still love that show and she got, like, the award um, in her name at the Oscars or the Golden Globes, I mean, and everything like that. And, And it's because she always was very modern for her time and, like I said, unconventional... And she was very progressive. Like they had, she had people of color on her, um, ca- as her cast members and stuff like that, which wasn't being done in the sixties. Yeah, and she was also like one of the, um, one of the first women to to have like her own show, wasn't she? Yes, there was like I oh, love Lucy. I guess I love Lucy first. Yeah, I love Lucy was definitely first, but like. There, there weren't many. Like, you know, she was one of very few women yeah. who have had their own show at that time. But like, Lu- And definitely the only woman to run a variety show. Like, yes. the first woman to run a variety show, so... And, like, Lucille Ball owned her production company with her husband, Desi Arnaz, who was also in I Love Lucy, so it wasn't technically just her show, right? So, whereas right. Carol Burnett is just her show. Yeah. Um... Oh, frig, there was something else I wanted to say about... Oh, yeah, no, I, um, I, this isn't super related to what we were just talking about, but I wanted to say, you've known me since I was a little kid. You know that I have always had, and especially when I was a little kid, very large buck teeth. (laughs) Well, I don't really have buck teeth anymore, but that was after... I don't have buck teeth anymore, but, like, when I was a kid, I absolutely had buck teeth. Really? And I have, like, I have a... Oh yeah. I saw the I, pictures well, maybe, your your parents posted for your birthday and you looked so cute in a princess dress. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? Maybe I never had buck teeth and maybe I was just insecure this whole time for nothing. But regardless, I was always very insecure about my teeth growing up and I thought that I had like a big horse mouth. Um oh. and Oh my god. <laughs> and it was it was just like, you know, one of those things where I was like, "Oh my god, I have a huge mouth. I have huge teeth." Um and again, not saying this is a bad thing, but like I always gravitated towards Carol Burnett, like even as a little kid. And I've she's always been a big role model for me because like, you know, <laughs> she's got a big mouth. <laughs> she's got big teeth and she's not ashamed of it. Like she's really, really talented in 
every aspect. Like she does great in the dancing scenes. Obviously her comedic timing is like perfect, but her singing voice, I love, like I've always really admired her singing voice um, and looked up to her in that regard. And like, I don't know, ever since I was a little kid, like honestly, even in Annie, like I loved Carol Burnett, like she's just good. Like she's, she's always been a role model of mine. So I just like seeing her and stuff. Yeah, well, what a great role model to have, This though. is true. Her and, like, her and Julie Andrews were <laughs> sort of the people from that era who have always been, like, my biggest role models. Oh, yeah. I always liked um, Julie Andrews and Debbie Reynolds. I need to see more stuff with Debbie Reynolds. I, like, don't know her as well as I should. No, just singing in the rain and, like, Halloween yes. Town movies. <laughs> But, like, she just always made me feel so comfortable. Like, if, if like, I just saw her picture in a book or, like, you know, I guess how you feel toward Carol Burnett. Like, and I also loved Carol Burnett, but I didn't, like, feel the way you do. Um, it's just something, like, I don't know, comfortable about them. Yeah, like, there's there's always, like, certain people you gravitate towards as, like, role models or just, like, people you really like to see in things, and Carol Burnett was, like, always that person for me. Like, I loved watching stuff with Carol Burnett in it, because I, I love her. Yeah. I guess for me, I mean, I was little, so I didn't know all the problems she had. It would probably have been Judy Garland as well, because I just loved The Wizard of Oz so much and Meet Me in St. Louis. Like, I would replay those movies so many times. So I basically liked her characters. I didn't, like, <laughs> particularly like Judy Garland. <laughs> Listen, don't yeah. there's um there's a guy who recently graduated from my university who loves Judy Garland and he was a fine arts student and he did like a whole series of pieces of art that was like Judy Garland in different mediums. So like oh. portraits and like painting and sculpture and like all this Whoa. stuff. He loves Judy Garland. I'd love to see a picture <laughs> if you have any like actually drew her. Yeah, like he drew her and he painted oh. her and he used like all different types of materials to to make all these like Judy Garland pieces. Whoa, were they like I won't ask any more of this, but like a young pic like when she was like Dorothy or when she was older? I think they were all from when she was like around Dorothy age. Like I'm pretty sure they were all okay. like young Judy Garland. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the one I liked. <laughs> young prime time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I I was thinking, you know, with those like role models I wonder you know it makes me feel sad because little kids now there aren't really those like Rome I don't know maybe there are I don't see that there are as many role models like there used to be for us well I feel like there aren't very many comedic role models for children these days yeah like there's so many movies that are like obviously like nine like nine out of ten kids movies are comedies or at least are comedic to some degree but like yeah I feel like these days there's so many kids movies that have these like really big name actors in it which is like okay like I get it you slap a big name to your movie and then you know parents gonna take a kid to see it but it's like I don't know no kid walks out of boss baby being like wow Alec Baldwin is my favorite comedian like (laughs) of all the movies you pick <laughs> this is the first one that came to mind or like i don't know there's no like uh, when i watch yeah, like soul, julia roberts yeah nah. well it's like when i watched soul i was like oh hey tina fey but like no little kid is like wow i sure do love tina fey <laughs> yeah but it's like yeah, I, I i'm trying to like think of like with the yeah, with the variety show angle especially like carol burnett's always done like carol burnett has never um 
in her early days, like she was like the Carol Burnett show wasn't a kid's show, but it was family friendly. Like it was a show that the whole family could watch. And so kids could look up yeah. to Carol Burnett and like, um, I know you've seen a few episodes of the show at least, but like she would start all of her shows by taking audience questions. And there were always kids in the audience. Like she'd get questions from kids all the time because so nice. like families could watch her show and like once upon a mattress is for all ages. Like it's certainly not just for kids. Like people of any age can enjoy it, but you know, I feel like, um, you know, like when I think of comedians who I really looked up to as a kid, it was like Carol Burnett and Robin Williams were the big ones mm-hmm. because Robin Williams didn't just do stuff for kids, but he did a lot of family stuff. But nowadays it's like, yeah, I don't know. I can't imagine kids like I the only person who I can think of who um has been compared to like the new Robin Williams um is ah. like well, okay, that's like shameful. That's like okay, that's a bad comparison. But like the only person who I can think of who's like kind of maybe could be that is Aquafina. Because she's oh, done, yeah, like, so much true. family stuff. And she was, like, the, the Robin Williams comparison came from uh, her voicing, Ry- like, the dragon in Ryan the Last Dragon. Because Sisu is very much, like, the modern-day genie. Yeah. Um, so, like, Aquafina, I think, has the potential to be, like, a comedian for all ages in the way that, like, Carol Burnett was. But I just, like, I feel like mm-hmm. they're, like kids don't have that anymore. So two actually come to mind just now when you were saying Aquafina reminded me, and I guess one of them is probably still from our age group, but it would be like Eddie Murphy, I guess, because he did Donkey yeah. and like Dr. Doolittle and all these other things, and then like Daddy Daycare, and then I guess for this generation, maybe Jack Black? Ooh, that's true. I do love Jack Black. He is I do too. so good. But I still don't see him at that level because he's not really a comedian. Yeah, and I guess the other thing that I'm thinking of is, like, um, I when you said Eddie Murphy, I thought of Chris Rock. Like, he did Madagascar. He's done some kid stuff. Right. But it's, like, even with Jack Black and Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock, like, I feel like they were really big with children's stuff when we were little kids. And yes. it's, like, and now and now they're older. Like, the Aquafina is the only, yeah. like, young person. Same as Mike Myers. Yeah. yeah, and, like, Mike Myers, like, they're all older now. Like, I feel like, you know, Carol Burnett was, you know, she was really young when she was in Once Upon a Mattress, and she was still pretty young when she did the Carol Burnett show. And I feel like Aquafina is the only person of that, like, comparable mm, age. Because Jack Black and Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock, like, they have kids. They have adult kids. They're, you yeah. know, they're older. <laughs> Eddie Murphy is many. Yes. Yeah. I mean, okay, what is with the millennials then? Why are there no millennial comedians? Well, it's like all the millennial the comedians heck? are doing like adult comedy stuff, you know? Like I feel like That's there's a lot true. of young comedians on SNL, but nobody's doing, I don't know. Point being, Once Upon a Mattress was like <laughs> from that this prime time. This is a good time. thing to bring up though. Yeah. Well, it's like. It's very important. Once Upon a Mattress like is the perfect embodiment of that prime time like comedy for the whole family. And Carol Burnett yeah. was like the perfect person to spearhead that. And I miss and it. And it's sad that, that that's been lost now, especially with the whole idea of family night, like Sunday's wonderful world of Disney. That's not a thing anymore. And as much as it's nice that the vault is totally open with Disney now where you can literally enjoy any show you used to watch growing up or movie you used to watch growing up, whether it's like TV movie like Hilary Duff or like a classic Walt Disney film. 
Um, it's just kind of sad that they don't have that, hey, look, I forgot about this. Mm-hmm. Let's watch this. It starts at six kind of thing is all gone now. I, I miss the like watching the CBC Disney movies on Sunday nights so much. That was that's such like an iconic, like staple memory in my head. <laughs> the idea that children don't know what commercials are scares me. Oh my god. Like having to wait in between. I mean, they're not gonna have any patience. There was even um actually I think this was only in the um the Sam G upload of uh of Once Upon a Mattress, but like it included the commercials. So Hannah and I like watched the commercials. Oh. We were watching it on YouTube. We could have skipped them. But like old commercials? Yeah, like the commercials that were in the original special. Like this was ripped straight off the TV commercials and all. Oh my God. And we watched the commercials because we were like, well, we gotta. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. It's literally WandaVision then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so should we move on to the final judgment? Yeah. <laughs> so did Once Upon a Mattress move you or not? Yeah, I just like, I feel like, like you said, it's the perfect thing to watch right after exams because it doesn't require a whole lot of brain power. It's comforting. It's funny. It's nice. It's what's on the tin. <laughs> yeah. And of course, like for me too, it, it moved me because it's Carol Burnett. I mean, she's familiar. She surpasses every generation now i've been really thinking about how there's like no comedian that's like that since her um and how she made comedy fun without having to swear or without like you know crude jokes and made like kids understand it and have like you know some jokes go over their head but adults understand things too without it being inappropriate which is totally gone now Mm -hmm. um and i just like that she brings class to her films while also making it silly and fun. And, you know, it's just a fun movie to escape from. Yeah. And honest. And that is why we're doing the princess theme. <laughs> yes. And even like, um, sorry, last thing, even like with the, the song, um, the like man to man talk, um, that song is done so cleverly because like adults who know what the sex talk is, like, can appreciate the humor of the dad, like, trying to explain it to his son. But they never actually, like, go into it. They never say the word sex ever. Like, it's all done in these, like, ridiculous veiled metaphors so that kids still, like, it would go right over their head. Yeah, and they probably weren't allowed to use the word, like, say the word sex on TV back then. But yeah, (laughs) totally. They probably had to, like, go around the bout of doing it, and then it became, like, kid-friendly anyway, so let's just stick to it. But, (laughs) yeah, that's... I also like the song, um, real quick, with, like, the kissing song. That was funny. Yeah, it's just nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Christina, for starting off this theme with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm really glad you liked uh, you liked this musical because I really like yes. it. <laughs> and our next one will probably be uh, the Rodgers and Hammerstein's film from Ooh. 1997. <laughs> so Christina will have you back again. Nice. I'll be around. And <laughs> I want to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to click the subscribe button. And if you have any underrated princess movies live action that you'd like to recommend uh you can email me at, it's all lowercase emma reviews movies at gmail.com i put it in the caption as well um yeah so thank you for listening <laughs>